Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. So, I still remember the first time I preached this passage of scripture. It was a long time ago. I was a CLP, which for those of you who don't know, that commissioned lay pastor. It was before I went to seminary. I was asked to preach at a Presbyterian church in Spokane. I was working as a journalist and talk show host, and they needed a preacher. And they, they, I, the Presbytery called and said, would you do this? And the passage on that lectionary for... That Sunday was this text, the same text we're looking at today. And what I focused on then was this phrase in verse 32, where our hearts not burning within us. And I remember asking the 25 or so gathered for worship about 25 years ago, when do you recall your hearts burning within you after you had an encounter with the risen Christ? And after the message, an elderly gentleman came up to me, and he wanted to talk. And he had a twinkle in his eye, and I thought, I better slow down and listen to this. And and he said, that question you asked, it was around 1958. And uh, I was thinking, that's the year I was born, 1958. And he said, we were all in the upper room, and he points upstairs to a door, and he said that was our, where we met for session, and he said the church was going through a situation. They weren't quite sure what to do. And one of us, he said, said, maybe we should pray. And as they grabbed each other's hands and began to pray, this elderly gentleman with a twinkle in his eye said, we felt the Holy Spirit come to us peacefully. And as we finished praying, we all knew that we would find a way through this situation that we found ourselves in. That's when I remember my heart burning. And I said, man, how many people in the congregation know the story? And he said, well, I, I really don't know because we don't talk about it. So I went to that congregation's website this week. And here's what I read uh, in the about section of that church. We have discovered that what we love most about our community is our sense of caring for one another and our support and acceptance of each of us. But we like our traditional worship, particularly our choral music. Yet some in our congregation are eager to explore a bit more variety in the worship service, including music. We are not eager to change, and yet we know we should stop focusing on the past. It's right there on their website, front and center. We are welcoming and believe that ours is a community of faith where others could find a home if only they knew about us. Uh, I couldn't help but wonder how different might this congregation's future have looked had they shared that story back in the year I was born in 1958 when leaders felt their hearts burning because of their encounter with the risen Christ, the Holy Spirit that gives us God life. And I can't help but wonder how different it might be now as well. Would more people know about them, perhaps? In today's story in Luke, these two disciples are on the road and they're walking and talking and 
Jesus is dead, body missing, women are telling him that he's alive, but that seems to be an idle tale, doesn't it? That's how it's described in Luke 24, 11. The first reaction from the men when the women came to tell them that Jesus had risen was, well, that can't be. And this is where the risen Christ shows up. And these disciples don't recognize him. Why do you think that is? What prevented them from recognizing Jesus Christ? Obviously, they're in distress. When asked by the stranger to them what things have taken place, they say, Jesus with a mighty prophet, and then our religious leaders handed him over, condemned to death by crucifixion. And then this, to me, key phrase, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Jesus, as Messiah, hadn't met their expectations. Let me say that one more time because it's, it's key to me. Jesus hadn't met their expectations. They wanted a Messiah to redeem Israel. They had believed their Jewish sources, which suggested that any decent Jewish Messiah would repair the world. Don't we all want that? Starting with Israel, repair the world, but start with us. And remember what the aged Simeon and Matthew said when he encountered Jesus as an infant? My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. The disciples' focus, I believe, was on for glory for your people Israel and on Israel's salvation from the Roman Empire who was making their lives miserable. And even after they knew Jesus is risen, this hope remains. In Acts 1, 6, they ask him before he ascends to heaven, Lord, is this the time you will restore your kingdom to Israel? The Romans and their empire are still in charge, still oppressing them. The Israelite people, including the poor and the marginalized, the sick, the hungry, those in prison, still need good news. Jesus is alive, and nothing has changed from the... I mean, something has changed. Let me back that up. Um, obviously, something has changed, and their hearts are changing, and they're, they're, they're re- uh, reimagining what, who this Jesus is. But in terms of what they had hoped for, the Roman Empire still is in power and still occupying and making their lives difficult. They had hoped Jesus would give them power to get them out of the under the Roman occupation. I wonder how often my or your expectations of Jesus present us, prevent us rather from recognizing Jesus Christ. Don't we also want him to fix our world? Starting with restoring us and even Dare I say it, putting us back in power in the good old days like the church. We don't really want to change. We know we shouldn't look to the past, but we want to go back there because, because our pews were full. Too many Christians today expect Jesus to grant them political dominance. Too many Christians today help to believe that Christ will help them succeed in life and love and work. That, that might be true, but it's not Jesus' primary mission. Or theologically, you can turn on the television and watch pastors um, encourage people that Jesus will bless them or God will bless them with wealth or even 
fill their churches up again. Now, I know there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting this. It would make me happy, too, to see this place fall. And yet, bringing salvation to all people, including even those some might not want to recognize, is Jesus Christ's primary purpose, I believe. Inviting us to share the energy of God's life within us with all people. Everyone. There are no boundaries. We categorize and label people and cast people out and keep people away from us. And, and yet God is at work bringing them to himself or her, herself or itself, whatever language you prefer. Perhaps this should be our primary expectation and focus. Lord, how do we best share this life that we have with each other and with you? Share it with each other, yes, but with those that we think are different than us. How do we embrace change gracefully in ways that invite people to see how much you love the world and love them? Well, after suggesting these disciples were foolish for not believing that what the prophets had said about the Messiah, Jesus says, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into glory? And then he reinterprets the Hebrew scripture for them, indicating that he is the fulfillment of the law, the Ten Commandments, and the prophets do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. It's quite radical, really, when you think about it. Imagine someone coming to us, reinterpreting our scripture so that all people might have the abundant life that Jesus refers to throughout scripture. And now the disciples, as Jesus is reinterpreting the scripture or explaining scripture, you can, you can frame it a couple different ways. The disciples invite this stranger to stay with him for a meal. And as evening approaches, Jesus sits at a table with them. And he takes the bread and he blesses it and now their eyes are open and, and he vanishes and yet their understanding of Jesus is being redefined. It's the same sequence of his final meal with them. It also helps them recall the time Jesus fed 5,000. In fact, some scholars describe Luke as a story of Jesus either going to, sitting down, or sharing a meal. Is it any wonder that meals shared together, shaped gatherings in the early church, for this is where they recognized the risen Christ. A few years ago, I, I went to Luckett's, Virginia, for the mission agency, and it's a fast-growing suburb for people living and working in Washington, D.C., um, but it was primarily just farmland at, when I went. A church there had closed, and Presbyterian's uh, we're working to build a new faith community around food, of all things. So uh, let's uh, watch this video together if we can. Luckett's is not a place that has uh, diners, coffee shops, the one restaurant that's in Luckett's is closed on Monday. And that gave us the idea to start Food Truck Monday, where we hire a food truck to, to come out here, 
park in the parking lot of the old church. People come for the food or come because they want to meet the new guy. Um, they stay because they don't know each other. And so they find themselves sitting across the table from a neighbor. And it's, it, you hear conversations like, oh, you live right down the street from me. Or, oh, I know exactly where you live. I drive by your house all the time. It's a shame we haven't met. This is a Bible study where we sit around the living room or we sit on the front porch and we say to each other, hey, I have questions. I have questions. They're not currently church people, but they did grow up in the church. Either they, they get the, 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 the experience got stale or something that happened pushed them away, but there is a yearning to want it, to want it back. We're in the middle of God's creation the pace is slow enough, the evenings are quiet enough that you can feel his presence. To be sitting in a circle in the house or, or on the porch talking about such things and feeling such things, I think is, is as, uh, as much worship as uh, a worship experience in the, the, the most spectacular cathedral. There's completely new development coming around it, and, and there's this new community coming in, and, and I think there's a huge opportunity for us to, to partner and, and, and do this ministry together. Um, what I do know is it's a gathering of people who are exploring what it means to be in relationship with one another and also in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about taking risks and becoming missional, and that's what's happening here, and it's exciting. At the porch, we do feel God's presence together. I watched that this week and I thought, you know, it's, it's amazing. People coming together for food, but staying because they want to be known. <laughs> Exploring together what it means to be in a relationship with one another, with another human, and also with Jesus, with Jesus the risen Christ. And all around this gesture of a meal or breaking bread together, I mean, isn't that why we all come here? At the session meeting, uh, you know, somebody jokingly said, you've made a lot of observations. And I said, yeah, I have. And they, everybody laughed. And, and uh, I didn't really say much, but I've watched for a few weeks now. And after each service, the coming together around a meal, I've already recognized Christ with you. I have already recognized how you come together for a meal and, and seen how people talk to one another and engage with one another. And this gesture of sharing a meal or breaking bread together is a symbol of welcome and openness and as well as a gesture that signifies peace and well-being around the world. This kind of peace that, remember last week that Jesus was redefined, wasn't speaking about just tranquility, he was speaking about peace that serves the highest interest of being human. So people gather around a table, and you know the family gatherings where you have, if you have a lot of brothers and sisters, some of them you don't, you don't really know if you like yet, and you love, but you don't know if you like them right now, depending on where they are, and, and all of the ways that the world tries to divide us, and you try to be real careful and have have conversations in a way that don't erupt into something that you don't want. And 
but we're all at the table. And there's a lot of laughter at that table, even though there's things that are unspoken, too. In spite of our expectations, isn't that the perfect place for the risen Christ to show up? May we not miss Jesus Christ, who can repair our world through the simple hospitality of a meal among friends, certainly, but also with strangers, who just might leave our hearts hungry, burning to know more about the blessings of Jesus Christ when we open ourselves and see those that God brings to us. Amen.